Before we jump into today's episode, I have some very exciting news. Nordic Naturals number one selling fish oil is now in gummy form. If you've been listening to our podcast, you know by now just how important omega-3s are for optimizing immune function, supporting a healthy brain and heart, and above all else, keeping our cells healthy, which supports every structure and process in our bodies. However, we also know that it can be very tough to meet your omega-3 needs through diet alone. And for some people, swallowing a pill is just not very appealing. Luckily, in just two chewable gummies, you get 1,200 milligrams of omega-3s, which is our highest potency omega-3 gummy. And they're also delicious, which helps you remember to take them each day. Head to Nordic.com and use the code NaturallyWell15 for 15% off our new Ultimate Omega Gummy Chews and start making Omega-3s part of your daily routine. Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live Well with Kate. Today's guest is Dr. Jennifer Hines. Jennifer is an associate professor and Canada research chair in brain health and aging and kinesiology at McMaster University. She is the author of Move the Body, Heal the Mind that focuses on providing science-backed movement strategies to overcome anxiety, depression, and dementia while improving focus, creativity, and sleep. She also directs the NeuroFit Lab, which conducts award-winning research on the neuroscience of exercise for cognition and mental health. In this episode, Jennifer shares the top benefits of exercise for our mental health and the research on how we can get motivated to exercise, the amount of time we really need to experience the benefit of exercise, what intensity is just right, and if there's a better or best type of exercise to promote better mental health. If you're already overwhelmed by trying to fit an exercise every day, I promise Jennifer's recommendations are easy to incorporate, but highly effective. And if you're listening, thinking that this will only be more advice from some exercise junkie or personal trainer, just you wait to hear how Jennifer went from rarely exercising at all to learning how to move her body and heal her mind. Jennifer, welcome to the show. I was just telling you that I have a long list of questions, so I'm going to try and rein it in. And I just can't wait to see where this conversation goes because it's something near and dear to my heart and that... I think people are getting more and more familiar with the fact that moving their body can help heal their mind. But if we can shout it any louder, I am all for it. Mm -hmm, Me too. Thanks for having me. I'd love, you know, just to start off and it's really how we start off every episode, but just for you to tell everyone a little bit about your journey professionally and what led you to write your book. Um, And then also your personal journey, because I know (laughs) exercise-wise, too, you've also done some pretty impressive things. Oh. (laughs) Okay, sure. So um, I'm, you know, I'm I'm a professor at McMaster, and I study the effects of exercise on the brain and direct the NeuroFit Lab, which is... uh, is the lab that I founded in 2013. And so we study the effects of exercise on the brain for cognition, mental health, and to prevent Alzheimer's disease. But I I haven't always been an exercise scientist. I started my career in grad school studying neuroscience and just the fundamentals of how we, how does the brain represent who we are as people in our memories. Uh, And that was in my 20s. And while I was doing this intense study, it became very clear something wasn't right with my own brain. And um, I was having some pretty severe anxiety. I went to the doctor. 
they handed me a prescription for an antidepressant and I was really reluctant to take it. Um, and so fortunately for me, a friend recommended I try cycling and I borrowed their rusty old road bike and much to my amazement, those bike rides really soothed my mind. And prior to that, I hadn't really been very active. I hadn't been an athlete at all. <laughs> and, but from that point forward, I really made exercise a priority in my life, movement a priority, um, because I saw how profound the effects of exercise were on my own mind. And so that shifted my personal life, but it also shifted my professional life. So from that point forward, I instead of just studying the fundamentals of, exercise, of neuroscience, I studied the effects that exercise has on the brain, and that caused me to open my lab now. So it's been a journey for me, very personal um, and also very professional. And this book is so special to me because it really melds both of them. Um, you know, it, it, it shows my personal struggles, my personal story, um, and, and the research. And then, you know, ends with this very heroic thing that I would have never imagined possible. Like this non-athlete able to complete a full Ironman all on her own, unfortunately, because of the pandemic. And so it, it does really, it's a true testament to the resiliency that exercise gives. Yeah, no, I mean, I can't even just in here now, I'm like, I can't even fathom that, but I'm so curious, Jennifer, just from that, like, how did you get, I don't know if it's, it's the courage, but how did you make the decision to commit to wanting to do something like an Ironman? Did mm -hmm. you want to push your, like, did you want to push yourself mentally? Well, so it was 2017. This was a difficult transition in my life. Um, unfortunately, my marriage was ending and I wanted something to focus on. And so prior to that, I had been, I had obviously had my bike rides, but I had from that, I, I increased my fitness enough to start running. And then I had incorporated some swimming, but I had never put them all together. And so I thought, okay, you know, this is a difficult time in my life. I really want something positive to look forward to, to focus on. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to try a triathlon, but not like, not a big one, but just like a try, a try. Right. And yep. so <laughs> I built up, you know, the strength, the stamina. And while I was training, I was like getting more confidence, not just in my physical ability, but you know, my ability to like stand on my own two feet again. And, um, much to my amazement, I placed second in that try a try for my age group. Of course. That's amazing though. <laughs> but it was like the, the first medal I had ever won in a sporting event. And I was like on cloud nine and just hooked, you know, from that point forward, I was like, okay, larger races, longer races. And it seemed like, you know, triathlon was a real, a sport that I was really good at. <laughs> and I think because it does require so much mental stamina, which, you know, I had been training that through my academics. Uh, you knew and, how and to train that. <laughs> I knew how to grind that out. <laughs> yeah. But that, so that's sort of how that came to be. And then it's just, um, in 20, 2018, I had signed up for a half Ironman and thought, wow, this would be a great storyline for a book, you know, tracked my progress through this new sport, 
talk about the science and the benefits of exercise on my brain. And so that's how that came to be, that storyline. And the reason why I ended up doing the Ironman solo because my official race was canceled by the pandemic, but I was kind of left in this lurch, like, how do I end my book? You know, <laughs> like, I'm supposed to end it with this completion of this Ironman. I can't just say like, oh, they canceled the race. So <laughs> I, I didn't really do it. Uh, not really the inspiring ending I was going for. So I, I fortunately, I was able to recruit my family and friends and we, you know, they, they were at each aid station cheering me on and I was able to do it myself. So, (laughs) I mean, that's so cool. And what a great parallel, right. Mm -hmm. You know, for the book and when P you know, it's like when you're reading it too, your reader's going through your journey as well. And if they're the person that isn't physically active all that much, they're going through it with you too and seeing what can come of it. Mm -hmm. Um, now I know Jennifer, like a lot of the times, right. we We, people know, like, the general benefits of exercise, right? And we usually think about the physical and we Mm -hmm. do, I feel like more and more we're starting to talk about the, you know, the mental health benefits, but let's just remind everyone, like if you could say, what are your top benefits that you would want people to know and that you see people reap the most? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, there's so many incredible benefits that exercise gives. So I think, you know, even just short movement breaks, Every 30 minutes, a two-minute movement break is enough to improve focus. You know, a 10-minute self-paced walk is enough to increase creativity. But then we can get really into some really special things where exercise, moving the body, actually reduces anxiety. And we get that immediate stress relief after. Um, And this is thought to be related to a neurochemical called neuropeptide Y, which is like a resiliency factor that protects the brain against trauma. But there's other thing, there's some really awesome things that exercise does for improving mood, especially for people who have a form of drug resistant depression. And for me, this is, this is such a special part of exercise that it has these amazing therapeutic benefits for people who don't otherwise respond to antidepressant drugs. So I'll back up a little bit. So about one in three people who take antidepressant drugs who have depression don't actually respond to them. So they'll take their meds and they won't feel any better. And we call this drug-resistant depression. And so what, what's, why are they not responding to these drugs? Well, typically the drugs are serotonin reuptake inhibitors or SSRIs, and they increase the bioavailability of serotonin in the brain. But for these individuals, they already have enough serotonin. And so the drug is not helping to correct that. Their root problem is something else. And for many people, it's likely inflammation, So we all think about inflammation associated with the immune system, right? Like when we get sick or have a cold or flu, we have elevated inflammation that helps fight off that infection. And temporarily, you know, that might impact our mood. So that elevated inflammation in the body gets into the brain and it can 
can cause like so-called sickness behavior where, you know, we're, we're at home alone, binge watching Netflix, you know, this antisocial low mood, lack of motivation is actually beneficial because it's sort of the brain's natural form of social distancing keeps us away from others, prevents the spread of infection. But in cases where there's chronic levels of inflammation, either with chronic disease or, or chronic stress, as is the case for most of these um, instances, the chronic stress lasts longer than a few weeks. It can be months and sometimes years, and that can affect our mood for months and sometimes years and, and perhaps a lifetime if the underlying inflammation is never corrected. So here's where exercise comes in. Exercise, although an acute bout of exercise does increase inflammation a little bit, it has these anti-inflammatory, it's anti-inflammatory cleanup crew. So the myokines that get released from the muscles immediately after exercise, and they clean up all that inflammation from exercise and then some. So the more regularly, more consistently you exercise, the more anti-inflammatory your body becomes, the more anti-inflammatory your mind becomes, and you you start to really experience a benefit in your mood. Oh, that's I I love that visual too of like kind of like the cleanup crew. Mm-hmm. Do you do you find though, Jennifer, with certain exercises, like let's say like a HIIT workout where you're putting a lot of stress on your body? Is there a point where that's too much stress that the cleanup crew isn't gonna you like clean that little bit extra mm-hmm. as well? Yeah, so there's there's kind of two things to think about. So when we're when we're thinking about stress and the physical stress of exercise, and we can think about the psychological stress of our life, these two types of stressors actually work through the same stress response. It doesn't differ. And so we can have, let's say we have a, a stressful day, we've had an argument with a family member or friend, there's a deadline at work, stress levels sort of accumulating, right? And then let's say we add on top of that a vigorous exercise and our tolerance for that vigorous exercise may not be there because we're already stress elevated. And so we want on a little bit of stress in our life. It's actually very promotive, adaptive, right? So it challenges our body. It pushes us slightly outside of our comfort zone and our body is this amazing thing that grows and adapts to that new challenge, right? And we become the stronger version of ourselves. But what happens if there's too much stress, stress overload, what happens is that the opposite, it's allostatic load, the body weakens under the pressure. And so in for example, me at the beginning of the pandemic, I was training for this Ironman and I had been exercising quite vigorously doing hit workouts and everything. But because of the uncertainty of the situation, the stress of the situation, I I would go out for my regular intense run and have like what, what felt like a panic attack. Like this, you know, my heart would be racing so high and I could, I'd have to stop and walk, which I had never experienced prior to that because my stress levels had never been that high, you know? And so I think we have to take a mental health approach when we're looking at intensity of exercise, because if we're having a stressful day, we're not going to be able to tolerate as intense exercise. And I think this is this is the shift that needs to sort of happen, the mindset shift that has to happen when we're using exercise to help heal our minds and improve our mental health, as opposed to 
improving performance. Like performance, you're always thinking about like, you know, getting that personal best and training, like training at intensities and titrating things. But with mental health, it really has to, you really have to tune into your body, thinking about all the other stressors that are happening in your life. And then, you know, train according to that, you know, how you're feeling. Yeah. It's a, it's a fundamentally different approach to, to well, exercise. It's, it's interesting because I feel like you can't achieve, I mean, even something like your Ironman, Jennifer, like you can't achieve that unless you're in a good mental, like mm-hmm. a place, good place mentally, because a lot of it is mental, just getting like, you know, you get right, you get off that bike and you still got a lot more to go. Or, <laughs> so it's, mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like it's trying to find that balance, but would you say for people listening in terms of judging, like when they're thinking, oh, like, am I overdoing it is the best way to just kind of really try to be in tune with your body and listen, like how you do when you're like, I'm having like somewhat of these little panic attacks when I'm running, something's off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So lower the intensity for sure. Yeah. So I think you're right. It is like, we have to kind of find that sweet spot because the, the great thing is that exercise actually helps to tone and strengthen our stress response. Yeah. So we can tolerate more and more of these stress loads, not just with exercise, but with life. And that's sort of the beautiful piece there. But we have to be able to uh, gradually, in, you know, adapt it and not yeah. sort of go all out, all, you know, all the time. And I think a good key indicator is like, exercising should make you feel good. You should be energized. And if you're fatigued and feeling depressed and, you know, feeling lack of motivation, then you're probably overdoing it because that those are symptoms of like overtraining that can weaken the body, cause injury and pain. And that's really not what anybody wants. Right. Yeah. That's maybe the time to like, just go for that leisurely walk. Yeah. Go for a wellness yeah. walk, take it down. And the, the beautiful thing, the great thing is that low, low intensity exercise has been shown to increase neuropeptide Y, that resiliency factor. It also increases brain derived neurotrophic factor, which is this, it's like, it kind of like a fertilizer for brain cells. It helps to increase the birth of new brain cells and fortifies and strengthens the function of existing brain cells, especially the ones that, you know, turn off the stress system. So we, you know, we get more effective at shutting off our stress response so that we can like stay calm, even in the face of turmoil. It's really quite fascinating. It is so fascinating. I love that. It's like, you can just keep it low intensity. And for some people who have like injuries that are just never going to heal or may feel really defeated. Um, I'm curious what your best advice is for anyone listening. That's like, where do I get the motivation though? And it may not be mm-hmm. like, maybe you're, you know, you're starting from zero and trying to get into exercise or like everything else in life, things ebb and flow. And you may have been like working out a lot and then you took a little break because maybe you got sick. Um, I know a lot of people experience that. Like if they got COVID, you know, they mm-hmm. took a break and it was, it's really hard to get back into it. So did you find anything like in your research or personally that you found can really help with that motivation? 
Yeah. So um, first of all, certainly if you're experiencing that, you're definitely not alone. And this is, it seems to have become more of an issue during the pandemic, actually. So at the start of the pandemic, we did a survey of 1600 people um, just to get the pulse of the population. Like, how are you feeling? Are you able to be active? And if not, what are sort of the motivators or barriers? And so not surprisingly, anxiety, depression, stress were way up, physical activity was down, and people shifted why they wanted to be active. So less to look good, more to feel good. But there was this mental health paradox where they wanted to exercise for their mental health, but their mental health was getting in the way. So they were too stressed or anxious to do it and they lacked the motivation. So we created a toolkit. Um, So you can freely download that at my website, neurofitlab.ca. But it takes the evidence for what can we do when we're when we're in that state, you know, when it is difficult to get up off the couch. And the mantra needs to be like something is better than nothing. Some is better than none. And when you're feeling overly stressed and anxious, we just discussed this, lower the intensity. So I have a mental health mode of exercise where, you know, let's say I'm supposed to do a 30 minute run. And I'm not feeling well, you know, like I'm stressed. I had a bad, I'll put in the time. So I'll do the 30 minute, but I'll do a walk rather than a run. So the research shows that when it comes to the mood boosting effects of exercise, at least aerobic exercise, it's less about intensity and more about the duration. So getting in that step and, and it turns out like every step counts. So the benefits, the biggest benefits from exercise are going from zero to something, you know, and we often have this conceptualization that like exercise, you have to go to the gym for like an hour and like work out, (laughs) but no, no, it's from zero to some, some form of movement. And I think that that can be really assuring. It can just be like down the driveway around the block. And once you start moving your body, The amazing thing is the muscles will start to release these chemicals that move through the blood to the brain and like endorphins are released, endocannabinoids are released, you know, endorphins are the body's natural painkiller that makes you feel like feel good, helps ease aching muscles. It also stimulates the reward system and uh, endocannabinoids are the body's natural form of cannabis, which goes also goes to the reward center. And when those two meet at the reward center, it creates this like real hedonic experience, like runner's high. And so you can get them there and that really starts to, you know, you're moving, these chemicals are flowing, it starts really reinforcing the behavior so that it's like it it feeds off of itself and the momentum, it's just easier to keep the momentum once you start moving. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I try and always think like the days and I feel like it happens more times than not now having a baby, um, where I'm like, you know, do I want to, you know, can I go work out? And we'll talk about time too, because that's always mm-hmm. a factor. Like, do I have mm-hmm. the time to? But I always try and think about how I'm going to feel at the end. Like, mm-hmm. if I'm feeling kind of crappy in the beginning, I'm like, I'm going to feel really good at the end. Yeah. This is my me time. This will be my like mental break yeah. in a way. Yes. Even if sometimes um, I find it's helpful if, um, you know, I put on, a video and I really like the instructor, but I do Mm -hmm. a five minute video, like a five minute core video. And it's like just that five minutes, 
I feel so much better. And I actually, like, I may not have even moved that far. I just stayed on my mat, but it's amazing how different you can feel or putting on like a really good song. And then I'm like, okay, all right, I can get into this now. Yeah. Yeah. So that the music itself helps to prime the reward system. So it releases dopamine ahead of time to make it, you feel good. And then it's easier to move. And then these social cues, you know, like working out with somebody or, uh, you know, going onto a video where there's somebody that you enjoy listening to or watching or following along that social connection, even if it's virtual can be really, really powerful motivator for a lot of people. Um, yeah, so you're right on. And I think one thing that you had mentioned, like you already know that you're going to feel good ac- after exercise, right? And me too. And so when I'm sitting on the couch, that certainly is, okay, you just have to get up, you know, just you're going to yeah, feel good. <laughs> but some people don't know that yet. And so yeah. I think we still, we still just need, they need to trust. They need to learn to trust that that will be true every single workout. <laughs> and yeah. so I did, I do try to try to walk people through that in the book who may not have that feeling, because I think it's such a reassuring thing for those of us who have it and kind of is the thing that keeps us coming back to it, uh, yeah. to movement and to exercise. But we just need to get more and more people uh, to, to know and realize um, how amazing it, it feels after and to just hang on to that. <laughs> that's, you know, I think that's a great point to hang on to it and to remember it because I almost feel like when you're first getting into exercise or like if you had a lull for a while and then you get back into it, it's easier to become like more, you know, more quickly like craving it or Mm -hmm. addicted to it because you're so, you know, you're like high off those endorphins and it's all coming back to you. And then sometimes when like you've maybe been exercising most days of the week for years. That's when I find sometimes it's harder. Yeah. You have to, you have to hang on to that feeling and appreciate mm-hmm. it after each time. And just, yeah, it's like, I wish you could just bottle it up and like dump it on yourself. Yeah. You're not feeling like <laughs> that be workout. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know what? Maybe one day we will have that. Or who knows? But maybe. I want to talk about timing too, okay. because, sure. and kind of two aspects of it. So One being, you know, and we kind of mentioned this earlier, but do we need the hour long workout, right? Like I, I, you know, I know the answer, Mm -hmm. but like, do, how much time do we really need to, for our body to really experience the benefits? And then I'm curious, Jennifer, like, what's your best advice for people working it into their schedule. So it's Mm -hmm. consistent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a little goes a long way. This is, this is true. Um, two minutes is enough to help replenish the brain of oxygenated blood flow. And that goes a, a long way to help the brain function optimally. Um, so we can't underestimate these like really short bursts of movement because they have such a profound effect and it doesn't have to be high intensity. It can be stretching. It can be walking. All of these forms of movement help to increase blood flow, especially to the prefrontal cortex, which is the front of the brain. And that helps us to focus on our work. We can be more productive. We can make better decisions in our life, um, helps us also be more creative. And so, yes, less, every little bit counts is, uh, is, is the point. And, um, and then the idea about fitting it in. 
So, I mean, unfortunately for most of us, movement has kind of been engineered out of our life, right? We, we drive to the grocery store. We don't, we're not, you know, we don't, we, there's no force. <laughs> we don't have to move to survive or move to even get places anymore. Um, and so that can be hard, but you know, all those little movements can add up. So you could park at the back of the the grocery store parking lot and walk in and that could, you know, all those minutes add up. But, um, in terms of trying to fit it in, um, I like to, well, for me, my go-to strategy is just putting it in my calendar, having it blocked off and reserving the time, but also actually having my plan in place. So if we, you know, we're busy. We work, we have kids, maybe, um, you know, we have partners. There's so many demands, friendships, so many demands on our time. And a lot of these demands kind of are impromptu or they happen, you know, in the moment and we have to react to them. And, and if we don't have time carved out for exercise, then it kind of gets push to the bottom of that list, right? So we need to make the time for it. And then we need to make this plan ahead of time because when we are forced to make decisions on the fly, like, so, okay, let's say, okay, I wanted to work out today, but I don't really know what I'm going to do, you know? And then it's like, oh, like go to the stairs, I could go to the gym. And then all these decisions that we have to make actually drain our willpower. And then we have less left over to actually get moving. And it becomes actually harder. Sometimes you can talk yourself out of exercising because it's too hard. And so I like to just have a plan. I block it off in my calendar. You know, for me, um, I do, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have a very flexible schedule with my work. So I try to do it in the morning, you know, when I can, um, and I make a meeting with myself. So I don't book any meetings in the morning <laughs> because that's my time, you know, uh, to to do my to do my movement, to do my exercise. Um, and but that's obviously that's not the reality for a lot of people. Some people really like to get up early before everybody else gets up. That's not me. I'm not a morning person, but you know, later in the 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 mid morning is where I do it. Some people like to work out at night. They may be worried that it would disrupt their sleep, but that doesn't seem to be the case based on research. Um, in fact, moving more in the day helps us sleep better at night. And um, there is one study that showed that if you do vigorous exercise just before bed and your heart rate is elevated 25 beats above baseline, then it might take you 14 minutes longer to fall asleep. But otherwise, exercising before bed is just fine. And for a lot of people, that's like when they have the time, right? Everybody's yeah. in bed and then you can do your exercising. I know. It, it's so interesting. And I love, Jennifer, that you said like make a meeting with yourself, like treat mm -hmm. it like a meeting. Yeah. I sometimes will make it if it's a flexible day, like, or I know that I feel like sometimes with kids too, you can't predict what's going to happen. I kind of make yes. it like a floater. Yeah. But it, it has to happen. Mm -hmm. And I love that you said to like have a plan and, you know, hopefully if you can make it as specific as possible or even just say like, okay, I'm going to do, if you're going to the gym, right, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, or I'm going to pick a Pilates class from, mm -hmm. you know, that instructor I like to do online. But that makes a huge difference because I've known sometimes, like I've seen it with myself too. Where I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, like I just have gym in my calendar. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, 
okay, I have to figure out like, what am I going to do? Because I have to go in there and have a plan because I don't feel like talking to people. Yeah. And and then by the time I've like thought about it, I'm like, okay, 10 minutes has already gone. Uh, right. I know. And, and you're tired because you've been yeah. thinking about it and that drains your mental energy and your willpower. You need to be so do you know, you, moving your body. Oh, totally. But do you yeah. have one day, like a Sunday or something where you put it all in your calendar and th- like take the time to think about it then? I have a, I hire somebody. <laughs> I hire a personal trainer to just, I, she doesn't work. She, she actually doesn't even work out with me. She just makes the plan for me and puts it in the calendar. No, it's like a, <laughs> and then, oh, really and then you're great. right. I mean, then Sundays, usually what I do is I like look ahead at my week and figure out when, when I can fit it in, Yeah, you know, because for, you're right from week to week, things change from day to day, things change. And, um, yeah. So, um, yeah, having a coach or, um, you know, a training plan, there are training plans online too, that are some, some of them are freely available. That would be, be yeah. helpful, but yeah, just, Having that plan, oh my god, it's a lifesaver for it's me. A, I mean, I'm like, geez, I need one of those. Like, it's so amazing. But I'm curious too for like, let's say someone is at their desk all yeah. day, pretty much, even at a yeah. standing desk. Because like, I found I through the research too, like, just standing at your desk is very different than moving. You're not mm-hmm. getting those same benefits. For like, you know, I think Jennifer, you said every 30 minutes, do two minutes. If you what, can, yeah. yeah. If you mm-hmm. can, yeah. What's have you learned like any good strategies for whether it's like putting in certain reminders in your calendar? Cause you know, sometimes you're working and you look at the yeah. clock and you're like, wow, three hours just went by mm-hmm. and I haven't got up once. I know. And your body feels stiff, right? Yeah. You feel stiff. You feel like achy. Yeah. So, and I, I'm guilty of this too, because you know, sometimes writing requires like really deep work and you kind of get lost in time. Um, yeah. So what I like to do is like, you know, if, if you have certain tasks that are easy to do that you could do standing, like checking email and responding to email, you know, having those times to break and stand up. And, um, it is really important to just switch positions, like whether you're standing, you know, stretching, um, from sitting. Cause when we sit, our bodies kind of go into this hibernation mode and it, it really does decrease blood flow to the brain, which essentially starves the brain of what it needs to thrive. And so, and, and to we, work, right. And to, to like, work, to be well, creative to at your job. <laughs> yes. And to do, to do your job effectively. So we often think about exercise as like, Oh, I don't have time to exercise. I got to do this work. I got a deadline, but it's, it, it's counterproductive because if you had put the move, the time into move, you would feel good. Your brain would be like fully charged, optimally functioning, and then you can get the work done probably better and in less time. It's it really is amazing, and we we do see this in research with school kids. Like a lot of parents are like, "Oh no, we don't need phys ed. You know, we don't need daily activity. Let's focus on the curriculum." And so schools that exclusively focus on the curriculum versus have these movement breaks, the kids in both both groups learn the same amount of information, but the kids that are moving are doing it in less time because they're that much sharper because they're moving their bodies. So I'm sure they're happier too. <laughs> and they're happier and they're sleeping better. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, it's so interesting. And like, 
even just one of my favorite strategies, if you can, right? Like every meeting you can't take on a walk. Sometimes like if you're giving a presentation or like you really need to be taking notes, but we definitely all have those certain meetings or just certain calls with a family member or a friend mm-hmm. and taking it for a walk. I mean, honestly, that's why I love the, the AirPods <laughs> because it's like, I feel free to just move and be able to take a phone call. And then usually like if you can get outside and do it, you're getting the benefits of being outside. And it's just an easy way to be like, okay, when I have a phone call, I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to like stand there and maybe have it on speakerphone or have my earbuds in and just like, I don't know, do a few squats or just like get that blood flowing again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just stretch Mm -hmm. around. Mm -hmm. Um, Cause it is, it's tough sometimes Mm -hmm. and it's tough too. If like everyone at your job, everyone's like on, you know, if you're working remotely, it's like on zoom and Mm -hmm. they're all fully present, but I also challenge people to say like, and tell your team like, Hey, I really want to try moving a bit more. Um, Mm -hmm. if you don't, you know, see my face on the screen, like I'm probably walking, but I'm still here or I'm doing a few squats while you're talking. (laughs) Um, because I think we need to change that. Yeah. It's a culture thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And if unfortunately some people may not be in a position to have that change. Um, and the research shows that, you know, um, it was a 90 minute walk. So if you, if you can't break up your day and you have to sit all day, it was about a 90, an hour and a half walk can help negate all of the, the sitting that you did all day. Um, that's interesting. I I never saw that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm curious too, if like, we're thinking about time, Jennifer, and trying to like make our, also our movement the most effective. Mm -hmm. Are there certain ways, like whether we're just, you know, we're going for a walk or, we're going for a bike or, um, even if we're doing strength training that we can make it more effective and efficient. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, one of my favorite ways to make a walk a little bit more efficient is, um, to add intervals. So it's kind of like high intensity interval training, but not, it's more like interval walking. So what does that mean? Well, it's just like you're picking up the pace intermittently. So maybe you're picking up the pace between light posts or you're adding in a few hills to your walk. And the benefit of this, we've shown that interval walking is, is significantly better at improving memory and memory function, um, then, uh, regular walking or stretching. And so this idea that these intervals, what happens is that they're, they're harder, you know, obviously they're harder, your muscles are working harder and there's an accumulation of lactate in the muscles. And research shows that when lactate accumulates, we often think of it as like a negative thing, right? We typically associate it with burning muscles, um, associated with the acidity it's creating, but it turns out lactate may be one of the most powerful powerful promoters of neuroplasticity. So it moves from the muscles to the brain. It reports to the hippocampus, which is a main memory center and the brain region that's devastated by Alzheimer's disease. But when lactate gets there, it produces growth. It produces, it increases the brain derived neurotrophic factor, that, that growth factor that causes the birth of newborn brain cells and then flourishes the brain cells that are already there. So just adding these like intermittent picking up the pace is extremely beneficial for promoting brain health. Um, 
How do you know if you're walking fast enough? Well, you can use the talk test. I don't know. Do you know this one? I've heard about this. Yeah. Yeah. It's so easy. So you're just having your regular conversation with someone. And I mean, if you go for your walk, look around. Most people are just like at a very conversational pace. It's like easy. They're talking. No, you got to pick it up to the point where like maybe you can say a few words, but you're not able to do a full sentence. And that's where you need to be for those harder intensities to get the lactate flowing, to get the neuroplasticity within the hippocampus. Oh my gosh. I love that you were speaking my language with intervals because it's something I use a lot with clients for the effectiveness. Because also when you're it's like, obviously our heart rate goes up, right? When, when we're picking up the pace or your, your heart rate should be going up. <laughs> um, we're ta- when we take in more oxygen too, it also gives our metabolism a boost. Mm-hmm. So like, yes, it's giving us those mental health benefits too, but it's also, it really is like making your workout more effective well, as well physically. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I love that. And I love just with the interval training that you can apply it to anything. Yeah. You can apply it to, like we were saying, like biking or walking, um, running, swimming, even like with some strength training, right? And it's- Absolutely. It really helps with the timing of it too, because I challenge anyone listening, if you like go for, you know, you're a long run person, like, you know, whether it's 45 minutes, even 30 minutes, 30 minutes to an hour run, try doing intervals for 10 minutes. (laughs) See the difference in how you feel after. I'm telling you, it's so much Mm -hmm. more challenging But also when we talk about time, right? Like 10 Mm. minutes versus a 45 minute run. Yeah. And then we're getting all these benefits on top of it. Mm -hmm. It really is fascinating. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. (laughs) I do. I'm like, I'm such a proponent of intervals and it is, it's like when you're bringing your heart rate up, it's like all those endorphins just like start coming out and you just Mm -hmm. feel so good. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, to your point about like not just mental health benefits, but physical health benefits too. So this, this form of interval walking, um, has been shown to reduce blood pressure, to increase fitness, but also to help like with blood sugar regulation for people who are suffering from type two diabetes. So it's extremely beneficial. And I think, a lot of people think about high intensity interval training and get scared, right? And they're like, oh, I, I can't do that. But when we talk about just like intervals, you know, it's just intervals, you know, you're yeah. just picking up the pace a little bit intermittently, then it seems like, oh, okay, I can get behind that. <laughs> yeah, no. And there are so many good, like if you need it, there are so many good apps out there. I'm trying to think of the one I use, I think it's just called like, I think, oh, it's called, um, interval and you can set it up to where like mm. it will ping you to pick it up because sometimes too, like, oh yeah, you I mean, forget. I'm telling you after like, a couple <laughs> minutes, you're like, okay, I want less of the picking it up and more of that, like easy, pace. you know, yeah, easy pace. <laughs> um, but it is, it's like that, ch- that change yeah. in um, heart rate has such a dramatic effect in the taking in the different levels of oxygen and such yeah. a positive mm-hmm. effect on your body. But I didn't know, I mean, I felt the mental health sides of it, but I wasn't aware of the research behind it too. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious now, did you find anything between the difference of like whether resistance training or cardio had different effects on the brain? 
Yeah. So um, the research shows it's mostly, okay, it, it has mostly been done in aerobic exercise. A, a lot of the research has been done, but the research that has been done in resistance exercise, um, like it, it kind of depends on the thing, but with depression, for example, I had mentioned with aerobic exercise, it doesn't really matter what intensity you're doing. It's more about duration, but actually that's the opposite is true with resistance training. So it's, the intensity matters most. So in, in those studies, they compared like yoga and Tai Chi, which is more a lighter resistance to weightlifting or, you know, heavier resistance. And it was the heavier resistance that had the bigger antidepressant effect. Oh, then the yoga or Tai Chi. Mm -hmm. And we have found so the same thing with sleep too. So um, the heavy, the more intensive the exercise is, like the heavier weightlifting, the better you sleep at night. And the more frequently you do that, the better you sleep at night as well. So um, yeah, so there is there are slight differences, but in general, um, they both can have similar benefits to the brain. Yeah. Um, well, mm -hmm. I think we forget too that, um, and I know I feel it like I, I love resistance training. I just love me how you feel. It does it like mm -hmm. so many endorphins, but I mean the Jennifer, you know, it's like, we forget that like you are doing cardio when you're doing resistance. I mean, my heart mm -hmm. rate is like through the roof half the time when I'm, and yes, like typically it's if you're lifting a little bit heavier or you're lifting lighter, but doing it at a faster pace. Mm -hmm. But so I'm, I wonder if it's like still have like it's that cardio effect too. Yeah. Maybe um, why it has to be more intensive in nature because it, it does get yeah. the heart rate up. It gets the oxygen. You, you're consuming more oxygen. You know, your muscles are contracting stronger. Yeah. It's sort of more mimicking all of those benefits that you would get from like, for example, going for a run or bike ride or for a swim. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it, that's interesting you say that with depression too because I feel like we immediately think like and even with myself and um some clients who just need like to stress less or they're feeling low you do gravitate more towards a tai chi or yoga recommendation mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, that, and you still should like I feel like right there's still the benefit yeah there, yes absolutely I feel like it's far and few between that people are recommending or looking maybe to resistance training mm -hmm. to help. Mm -hmm. So that's, I, that's really fascinating. Yeah. So just kind of thinking about, you know, the intensity piece there just a little bit yeah. and, um, bringing it back to like when you're not feeling well, um, <clears throat> there is, there is sometimes, you know, some people will feel anxiety sensitivity where, they are, they start to feel the symptoms of anxiety in their body, like heart racing, difficulty breathing, and it makes them feel worse. It makes them feel more anxious and this can often lead to a panic attack. So for those individuals, actually the more intensive workouts are not beneficial because they are, well, they're afraid of them first of all, and then they can cause all this anxiety and, and lead, lead to panic. But what what can be done, and this is a benefit of interval uh, exercise, which you like, is that instead of like having it be the dominant part of the workout, actually just like sprinkling it in as like an exposure therapy. So in the book, I talk about this like fear buster workout where people go for a wellness walk 
to kind of get their neuropeptide Y flowing, the resiliency factor flowing. And then they're like, okay, I'm ready. I feel good. I'm ready. And then they do like a few seconds sprint to feel their heart race, to feel it difficult breathe, but in this safe space of exercise to see it go up and then their body activation come back down and then realize, oh, wait, that wasn't so scary. I, you know, I'm still alive. <laughs> I'm still able to do that. And so it, it becomes this exposure therapy to those symptoms that they fear. And then gradually over time, you can increase the length of that sprint. You can increase the number of sprints you add in. And so over time, it, it becomes less fear. It can help reduce anxiety, but it has to be a more of a gradual approach. So um, I think we could probably do that also with resistance since exercise it hasn't been tested yet but it's the same sort of thing right you yeah. could like do a few like a circuit workout that's short and then kind of increase that the length of that circuit workout or the resistance that you have mm -hmm. i love that do you, I, I mean i can't help but keep thinking and going back to like it's so great we have this research here right and that you've written this book do you think that psychiatrists are going to start looking to prescribing more exercise and less medication or even like trying, right? Like trying something like that, like this, mm -hmm. this fear exposure therapy that could be really wonderful for someone and they're not having to medicate themselves. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, you know, we were, we were starting to get there now. And I think the pandemic because so many new cases of depression and anxiety have emerged, like 25% increase, um, there's there's no capacity for, you know, people are not able to get into psychotherapy. It's more difficult. Um, most of these individuals, because they have like stress-induced depression and anxiety, will likely not respond or not respond fully to the antidepressants. And so... There is a movement, and I, I do see glimmers of hope within the medical community that they're going to start, you know, at least having it part of the conversation. I mean, antidepressant drugs can be transformative for people, and we don't want to take that away, of course. Um, but I think we just need to have a more fulsome conversation. So now mm. um, I'm in Canada. Up here, we we can actually go to the doctor and ask for a prescription for a parks pass, like a national parks pass for our mental health. That's and, and when the gyms were locked down, we could go to our doctor and say, I need to, I need to work out for my mental health and I need you, I need to have a prescription. And so even though the gyms were close to the general public, individuals who had this prescription were able to go. And so I, I feel like it's changing. The, the barriers there are like a lot of physicians are not trained to prescribe exercise. So yeah. they don't know what to what to tell their person, you know, Jennifer, you and have to teach them. I know. I, <laughs> I, I am a course for doctors. <laughs> I'm working on it. I okay, am. I'm, there's this a medical community. At, yes. So I'm working. Stay tuned. Cause I mean, it is. And I feel the same way, like right with nutrition. A lot of the times I think we are so much better now than we used to be in the medical community with nutrition and diet recommendations, but I still see it all the time, even like with my own dad. And he's like, look, this is what the doctor just told me to take. And I'm like, did he give you any other options? Let me mm -hmm. find the other options. Let's go through it. And it is, it's just disheartening. 
but I don't yeah. end it there. <laughs> no, no. And I, I mean, mean it's, it's the just, reality yeah. of it too. It's yeah. like, I love having these discussions, but I'm like, how are we going to move that needle and get people right. to really, mm-hmm. you know, it's yes. People listening, right. Can take this in on their own, but a lot of the times people are listening to their doctors and something you actually said earlier that I wanted to mention that I want to remind people of is you had said earlier, just like noted, like, you know, I do my best. Like I try to get, I try to move, but like, I'm guilty of being at my Mm -hmm. desk all day too. Like we all are and reminding ourselves that that's okay. Like it's not going to be perfect. No. Like just try your best. Even if like you've gone Monday through Thursday and you're like, Oh, didn't do my, my little movements every (laughs) 30 minutes or I was, I didn't try to, well, then there's Friday, like try Friday. And yeah, that's how we build habits. It's slow and it's not Mm -hmm. all of a sudden going to be in our daily routine all the time. Um, yeah. 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 It's this idea of consistently coming back to it. Um, and, and I think when we start, you know, reminding ourselves we're doing this for self care, it's a form of self care. Like we're not, a lot of us are not training for something in particular. This is just to care for ourselves, And so the more often we can do it, the better. But if you can't do it one day, that's going to be okay. <laughs> just keep coming back to it. You know, just, just, just keep coming back. Consistency is key. No, it's so true. Oh, Jennifer, that was so good. Thank you so much. Um, we love to end every podcast with a little rapid fire Q and a just for our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. And they're always just fun questions. So first thing that comes to mind, okay. Um, this is very <laughs> fitting. What is your favorite de-stressing practice or tool? I go for a run. Surprise, surprise, <laughs> but a run. That's good to know. Like going for a run, um, coffee or tea. Both. I do coffee first thing and then I switch to tea. <laughs> do you put anything in your coffee or just coffee straight up, but tea, I always have to have like an almond milk or like Ooh. coconut milk in it. What's your, mm-hmm. what's your favorite tea? What do you usually have? Oh, Earl, Earl Grey. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you there. Um, okay. This is my favorite one. Uh, favorite home cooked meal. Mm. Ah, uh, for okay. So full confession, I'm not a great cook. Oh, it's but have I'm to be I'm like trying make. to. Okay, it's not something no, I it, make. It can be like what even if it's like something a family member used to make, but just like that meal. Your favorite? Makes you feel okay, really good inside. I feel I have like two. So one. So I I have become over the past couple of years. A, I'm getting to be a good cook, and I make this mac and cheese is homemade mac and cheese from scratch for my daughter and she calls it mama's mac and cheese <laughs> it's oh. it's her favorite and so i'll pick that one as our favorite home oh meal. i love that <laughs> oh that's such a great story of like i wasn't a cook but now i got mama's mac and cheese mama's and mac and cheese <laughs> oh that's so good um well jennifer i can't take any more of your time even though i have a lot more questions. Um, but where can people find you find your book and just like, just learn more about your research and follow you along with hopefully more things to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, lots of different ways. So my book is called move the body, heal the mind, and that's available anywhere books are sold. I have a website, jenniferheist.com. And that has some backstory around the solo Ironmans and videos. You can, 
you can check out. Um, I'm on Twitter at Jennifer Heiss, H-E-I-S-Z or Z, uh, and on Instagram at dr.jenniferheiss. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And hopefully we'll get to connect again soon because I really did just love this conversation. I would love to. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you, Jennifer. This week, I want you to try to implement Jennifer's tip of taking two-minute movement breaks throughout the day, especially if you're sitting, to help restore and replenish your brain. Thank you for listening to Naturally Well by Nordic Naturals. And remember, you can catch some of our episodes of the podcast on our Naturally Well YouTube channel. If you want to know more about me, you can follow me on Instagram at livewellwithkate, where I typically live on my stories, providing a variety of daily health and wellness tips. Naturally Well is hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Steven. If you have any questions, please send us an email at podcast at nordicnaturals.com. And we hope to answer your question on air. If you like the show, please tell a friend, share an episode and leave a rating and review on Apple podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you next time.